Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been sharing on Instagram and Facebook and all the other things and the feedback that we're getting. It's uh, super encouraging. Thank you. You guys are amazing. Um, so we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Now what? Now what? You know, uh, a lot of the message that I seem to uh, speak, especially to young people, is about making up your mind. Um, that's been a theme that's been in my heart for the last maybe year or so. The Bible says purpose in your heart. It says make up your mind. Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, he says, uh, choose you this day who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve this serve the Lord. I think um, people uh, don't get challenged enough with the gospel to, to make a concrete decision. It's, oh, you know, come and try Jesus out. Come and... Um, you know, if you just give Jesus a shot, he'll prove himself real to you. And it's this weak thing where Joshua said, listen, if it seems good in your sight to serve another God, if it seems bad in your sight to serve God, then that's fine. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But either way, decide today, make up your mind who you're going to serve. Um, a lot of people get born again. And once they're born again, there's no fixed purpose in their life. So we're going to talk about that today. I'm born again, now what? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, um, verse 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul's saying, I've made up my mind. Listen, I'm not out here just living the Christian life, just doing whatever I want, having no aim. He said, I'm one who runs to win. The good news is in the body of Christ, we can all run to win. It's not like Oh, Paul ran and he won, so we're all second, third, fourth place, right? In our own life, there is a winning and there is a losing. You know, there will be people, the reality is there will be people who will get into eternity and will realize that they have nothing to show for their life on earth. I've said this before, but heaven is not a socialist society. We don't all have con the same condos on the beach. There's actually... Uh, rewards they're going to be given. And some people, the reason that that God will be need to wipe tears away from people's eyes is that they didn't take their opportunity on this earth to lay up treasure in heaven. Every time you sow seed into the gospel, every time you put your hard-earned money into the gospel, it's uncomfortable sometimes, man. It's, you can get, I've definitely gotten uncomfortable in my, in my Christianity, uncomfortable in my giving. Uh, where you give and you second guess yourself, man, did I really need to do that? Uh, when you go out and so the Lord tells you to, you know, tell someone about Jesus. And it's like that, that 55 year old white guy that makes you nervous with the cigarette in his mouth, just gruff looking. You're like, I, out of all the people I don't want to talk to, it's him. But then you do it and you get uncomfortable. But we understand that we're laying up treasure in heaven. Being eternally focused is the important thing. So Paul here is saying, I'm not one who's living my Christian life with uncertainty, with no real aim. I'm a, I'm a boxer. I'm not punching the air. I've got direct aim. I know what I'm aiming for. 
I'm a runner that's running to win. And then he says, this is how I do it. The first thing I do is I keep my body under subjection. Man, this is such a key for believers. I believe uh, the first victory that we win as believers is the victory over the flesh. Before we win, take much spiritual ground, it's victory over sin and over the flesh. Romans 6.14 says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. The first place, that, the first stand that we win our victory is the victory over the flesh. Why? Because the, the sin is actually an open door into our life. I don't like to scare people, but the truth is the gospel should be a little bit scary. The gospel is very good news. You know, I was talking to my wife last night. I'd been listening to a, um, a great thinker of our time. And so I was driving down the road and I said, you know, is there anything about God that's subjective? And she took a second to register what I was talking about. I said, I call God wonderful, but the sinner probably doesn't call him wonderful. The sinner, when God comes to judge, uh, he's, he's not wonderful. He's terrifying, right? But with God, when, we're, um, when the gospel comes, the gospel for sinners should be I mean, it's the love of God. It's the goodness of God. The fact that, hey, there's a, there's a sacrifice that's been given. But there is also the, the, the reality that there is a hell on the other side of not accepting Jesus. And so for believers, part of the life that we live, yes, we live by the grace of God. We live by the love of God. But we also live for the fact that, man, I want to avoid torment. And so for a lot of people, the gospel, it's actually the checks and balances of our life put your flesh under because the, the, the sin that's in your life is actually trying to take you out. If you could see a handwritten plan of what Satan has planned for your life, and you could see a handwritten plan of what God has planned for your life. We know, first of all, in the Bible, some of what God has planned for our lives. The Bible says in the book of Job chapter 36, it says, if you obey and serve me, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. Man, what an encouraging verse days of prosperity, years, and pleasures. That's for serving God. He says, I've anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows because you loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Man, that's being the most joyful person. There's a blessing to serving God. It's more joyful. It's better to serve the living God than not to serve him. There's benefits. But then also peace with God. Romans 5.1, one of my favorite verses, talks about having, we've been reconciled and we now have peace with God. But the gospel then comes um, to show us how terrifying sin is, that if there's an open door of sin in your life, that it's actually a door that you're saying to the devil, I'm welcoming you to come in my life. You know, if there's sin in your life, you have to look and say, what is the devil's plan for my life? The devil ultimately wants to send you to hell. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy right? So if we look at that, ultimate destruction is separation. Ultimate death is separation from God. Besides that, if you can't do that, if you're going to make it to heaven, um, he's going to want to steal your vision, right? He's going to want to steal your purpose. He's going to want to make you ineffective. But people keep these little doors open, doors of lust, doors of compromise, doors of hatred, doors of gossip, doors of whatever it is, these, these little things, and they keep the door open. So my, this is not what today's subject is about, but shut the door on the devil. Whatever you have to do, whatever accountability that you need, whatever person you have to find and say, this is what I'm struggling with, bring it to the light. The, the, the strength of sin is in its secrecy. But now that we're born again, what are we aiming for? Ultimately, success, uh, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown defines success as 
doing exactly what God has called you to do. Success, number one, for every individual, success is going to heaven, right? But then it's doing what God has called you to do. God has called every person with a very specific calling. So I'm a new creature. What now? Your number one job as a new creature is to win the victory over the flesh. So the way we do that is first of all, by putting our flesh under, denying our flesh, but it's building ourselves up in the word. Hear me on this. You only become victorious as a Christian through the word in your heart. Only the word in your heart that you know, the word that you have revelation of, produces fruit in your life. When we come to God and we begin to hide the word in our heart, Psalm 119, King David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The only way to come out of sin is to have the word of God hidden in your heart. Romans 6.14 is a great one. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. If you need scriptures, begin to take a scripture and every morning and every night say those scriptures. Those scriptures will hide themselves inside of you. And when temptation comes, you'll start to realize, man, this thing that I've been fighting with for years, the battle is over. Jesus has won the victory. If Jesus came in and said, I'm going to give you my strength to fight this, who do you think would win? Do you think that little, that little sin that you've been dealing with would win? Or would Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, win, win the battle? Well, that's what being a Christian is. It's having Christ inside of you. It's using the power of God on the inside of you by the word to gain victory. The truth is for all of us, if, if you're losing ground in an area, it's your fault. This is what we call divine responsibility. In our culture, and especially in the Christian culture, one of the things I see is just this attitude, and people won't say it, but it's this whatever will be, will be. God is in control. And it sounds good. We say, you know, God is in control. But then with that, we're saying there's nothing really I can do that'll make any difference, right? But if your faith is weak in an area, it's not God's fault. I know we'd like to think that we could just, oh, you know, my faith hasn't developed yet. Your faith doesn't develop on its own. This isn't a, a chia pet that you put water in and you're waiting for it to ch-ch-ch-chia, right? This, ain't, this isn't how faith works. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mark 4 talks about the parable of the sower, and he says, if you don't understand this, how can you understand any of these? And talks about, the, and one of the verses, I think it's in the, in the Amplified, it says, the measure of thought and study you give to the word will be the measure of virtue that's issued back to you. One of the most important scriptures in the Bible that's saying, you know what virtue is? Virtue is power. It's the same word in Acts 1 and it says, you shall receive virtue. You shall receive power. It's the same word. When the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment, it says virtue flowed out of him. That's power. So the measure of thought and study you give to the word actually is the measure of power that's measured back to you. What is meditation? We think it's this weird Bible said, you know, we're meditating the word day and night. We think it's this weird, like legs crossed, fingers, uh, fingers like we're trying to hold a very uh, tiny pencil in our hand um, over each of our knees, and we're there, legs crossed. Hmm, that's not meditating. Meditating is to say to yourself, to repeat over and over. The way I meditate very practically is before I go to bed, I grab a scripture, and I look at that scripture. And then I talk, and I, before I go to bed, I think it through in my head, and I say it out loud, and I think it through, and then I begin to th- digest it. I started doing this with Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So I would stop and say, the Lord. Man, who is the Lord? The Lord is the Lord strong and mighty. He's the king of all the earth. He's the king of creation. Now, this is me meditating on the word Lord, right? He's the Lord of all. There's no one higher than him. 
He's the head and not the tail, and I'm his, right? The Lord is. That means he, he was and he will be. He's present. He's the great I am. The Lord is my. Man, he's personal. He came down specifically for me. And you do this, and I run these, these verses through my heart. Man, the revelation that comes from it, sitting and thinking, the measure of thought and study you give to the Word. Too many people live in a place of defeated and never built faith, and they somehow like, man, I'm just going through difficulty. I'm just going through this storm. Most storms, you know, Jesus has already paid the price for you to walk in victory. We're supposed to be doing the works of Jesus. So if Jesus stilled the storm, you're not waiting on Jesus to still your storm. He's waiting on you to get in his word and find the victory. It's already been paid for. When Jesus said it is finished, he said the debt was paid. But he also said, my job is done. People look at Jesus like, you know, I'm just waiting for him to mature me in the faith. No, I mean, time, obviously there's learning, there's knowledge that comes. But your faith can be strong with your own determination. You are responsible for your own faith. So this is what it, this is. If we're responsible for our own faith, that means we're ultimately responsible for our own victory. Will we ever look at Jesus and be able to say, I lost because you didn't pull your weight? He's going to be like, listen, I don't know if you ever read the, <laughs> if you ever read the gospels, but if you remember when I said it is finished and then when I rose again, I made you ultimately victorious. As Bible-believing Christians, we are the winners. There may be people who look like they're prospering now, but if they don't have Jesus Christ and a relationship with Jesus Christ, they're going to lose ultimately. But God has set us up for victory through the power of His Word. The first thing you have to understand is is that the Word is not just an empty letter. It's full of power. The same power that it took to create the universe is the power that's in the Word of God. The same power that it took to form the universe is the power of the Word of God. The let there be light. You know, Jesus is the light of the world. We are now the light of the world. Jesus was sent. He's the light sent from God. But the same power, the same creative power in the word is the same power that's hit, is that the word of God contains in our hearts and on our lips. So how do we walk in victory? Grab the scriptures that you need. There's no shortcut to building your faith. There's no, man, I had an encounter with God and my faith is built. Sure, there's testimonies. There's things we hear people's testimonies. We can have an radical encounter with God and we can, we can see the Lord do something amazing. But ultimately, our victory is found in God's word. If your faith is weak, it's your fault. But don't dismay. You're a new creature. This is a new way that we're learning. We're not used to being victorious from the word of God. We're new creatures. So what you do is you decide, I'm going to have a love relationship with the word of God. I'm going to hide the word of God in my heart. I'm going to make sure I do what Joshua 1 says, meditate in his word day and night. Man, true success comes from just doing what the Bible says, meditating in the word of God, and you'll see the victory come over your flesh, over your circumstances. Soon you'll be speaking to the weather. Man, I command you not to reign in Jesus' name. You'll be speaking to situations and seeing the victory come. Man, that's it for today. We love you. Bless you. If you would do me a favor, write a quick review on our, uh, on our page, and then you can catch us on about seven different platforms, Podbean, Anchor, all sorts if you're on Android. Love you guys. Have a great day.